Hey, how's it going, everyone? Your host, Dean Kulawiri here. Just wanted to share my uh, a recording of a very special panel discussion I had today, and it was on the topic of uh, workplace discrimination, specifically for uh, members of the black community. Uh, but uh, during the course of the discussion, we spoke about a, a lot of this uh, discussion applied to uh, members of uh, you know various, various communities. And uh, my guests were Daisy Wright as well as Tanya Sinclair. And uh, it was a great conversation, great discussion. They shared so much great information and actionable, practical advice, not only for the individual as a, as a, as, you know, a, a job seeker or, or someone uh, who's an employee at a company, but also for organizations, how organizations can actively, proactively uh, take a stance on this. So look, without further ado, enjoy the discussion. Hello there. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Let me know in the comments if you can see me and hear me okay. Um, we're going to be starting the panel in just a few minutes, uh, but let me know in the comments. I do see here uh, on my own LinkedIn that it does appear that I am live. So look, welcome. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, a very exciting and definitely much needed uh, discussion that I wanted to coordinate today. Uh, let me know in the comments if, uh, uh, who you are, where you're tuning in, in which city you're tuning in from. Uh, make sure you hit like, make sure you share so that uh, your network can tune in as well. And I'm going to be having my guests on with me shortly. But let me know in the comments uh, where, you, where you're from. I see Christine here. Hey, Christine, how's it going? Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, who else is here? Let me just pull up my chat here. Uh, so I see a, uh, yeah, Christine is here. Uh, let me know in the comments, folks, uh, where you, who you are, where you're tuning in, what city you're from uh, before we get this discussion started. And I'm going to have my guests go live with me shortly as well. And uh, for those of you who are, you know, my viewers, uh, thanks so much for tuning in and, and for showing your support in this very uh, interesting, very important discussion. I see Akash. Oh, wow. Akash is tuning in from Nepal. Wow, Akash. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and that's, uh, I'm pretty sure you're in a totally different time zone as well, right? It's probably like either like late, uh, I guess, late night or something like that. Uh, I see Kami tuning in from Whitby, Ontario. I, I see Ravindra from Dubai. Wow, Ravindra, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, who else is here? Let me know in the comments, folks, um, and make sure you hit like. Let us know in the comments where you're from. We got Saretu uh, from Winnipeg. All right, Winnipeg is in the house. That's awesome. Uh, where else is everyone coming in from? Uh, I see Mansi from Barrie, Ontario. Awesome, awesome. Barrie's in the house. Uh, so look, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm going to get this started in a few seconds. I see Mona from uh, Toronto. Thanks for tuning in, Mona. Um, and I see Akash. Okay, Akash, yeah. So Akash says it's actually 8.46 p.m. in Nepal. All right, sounds good, Akash. So uh, thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. And I'm going to get this started shortly. So with me today, I have my uh, amazing guest, uh, Daisy Wright, my friend Daisy Wright, as well as uh, Tanya Sinclair tuning in. Uh, and, uh, okay. Someone, someone tuned in, uh, from Mississauga. Ahmed's tuning in from Mississauga. Thanks for tuning in, Ahmed. So very important topic today, folks. And, and, you know, in light of the, um, you know, recent tragedy with Mr. Floyd, uh, I felt I wanted to do my part in facilitating a very important discussion, right? Uh, Hey, Devanshi, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Pena, Pena Yori. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, uh, Pena Yori, but thanks so much for tuning in from Whitby. Uh, but folks, look, this is a very important discussion, and my guest today uh, will be speaking about, uh, you know, I'm bringing awareness 
about this very important topic. And uh, before I get started, shout out to everyone here on LinkedIn. Shout out to everyone tuning in on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, feel free to put put your comments, your questions in the comments as well. And uh, look, today's focus is discrimination in the workplace faced by black communities. That's going to be our focus today, folks. And what we what what I hope to get out of this, what I hope for all of you to get out of this, and what uh, both Daisy and Tanya want all of you to get out of this is uh, awareness, right? Just you know, dealing with the realities of the situation and, and what's really going on out there. It's about empowerment, and it's about a discussion about you know practical, actual solutions, right? Because look, folks, it's real easy for you to uh, you know put the whole Blackout Tuesdays thing and, and put that out on, on on your Facebook and your Twitter and all that stuff. And it's really easy, easy to use the the hashtag Black Lives Matter. But what we really need to be need to be having right now is actual conversations. Now, another reason why I wanted to do this is I'm I, regarding this topic. I grew up somewhat naive in the sense that when I first came to Canada, I was 10 years old, and I grew up in a a 100% immigrant, new immigrants community. Uh, everyone was was like I grew up around Jamaicans, I grew up around Somalians, I grew up around Indians, Pakistanis, Italian kids. And it was so multicultural. I never really looked at each uh, at other people as as okay, you know, this person's from a different, you know, from a different skin color. This one's from a different community. This one's from a different ethnicity. So I personally did not grow up like judging people by color because we were all just kids, either immigrants or or, or children of immigrants. Like that's how that that's the kind of community I grew up in here in Toronto. And uh, look, uh, what what and I'm gonna bring up bring my guests on shortly. And what we're gonna be discussing is the, the plight and uh, uh, the barriers and the obstacles faced specifically by members in the in the black community. And uh, look, I want all of you to put your questions in the comments, any questions related to this topic. And uh, we're gonna be having a part where my guests will be speaking about uh, and addressing your questions in relation to this very important topic. So we're gonna be having the discussion folks for around 45 minutes or so. And then we're gonna be opening it up for about 10, 15 minutes for the actual Q and A. So again, make sure you put your comment uh, question in the comments. We're going to get around to that shortly. And, uh, uh, you know, for those of you who are tuning in who don't know me, my name is Dean Kulawira. I'm an IT recruiter. I've been working in the IT recruitment industry. And uh, for those of you who are, who are tuning in who are connections uh, of Daisy as well as Tanya, thank you so much for tuning in and, and happy for you to join me. And uh, without further ado, folks, I'm going to bring my guests right now uh, to the stream. And uh, make sure everybody say hi to uh, Daisy and Tanya, and they're uh, they should be live now. Uh, Daisy and Tanya, thank you. yeah, there we go. Yeah, they're they're both live. Uh, hi, Daisy. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for your time and tuning in. So just to uh, before we get started, I did want to um, you know formally introduce uh, you know a bit more about Daisy and Tanya's backgrounds uh, for for those of you who might not know them. Uh, so Tanya Sinclair is an award-winning H artist. I love that H artist, uh, dynamic human resources professional who is currently the chief people officer for Artscape, where she provides strategic leadership as a member of the executive team. Tanya has served on several boards providing advocacy and policy development at Telecare Spectra Distress Center and Taibu Community Healthcare Center in Malvern. Tanya holds a Master of Arts degree in interdisciplinary studies from Royal Rose University in Victoria, BC. Tanya holds the Certified Human Resources Executive CHRE designation and the Distinguished HR Professional DHRP. In 2017, Tanya was recognized as one of Canada's top 25 HR professionals by Canadian HR reporter uh, for her leadership in building healthy workplaces, which centered around increased training and mental health initiatives for employees. 
And Tanya's leadership philosophy is lead, learn, laugh. I love that. And Tanya is available to connect uh, with, with uh, anyone who's who, who's interested in connecting via LinkedIn. And uh, my other guest, my friend Daisy Wright, who I'm also very excited to have on board. So Daisy is CEO, which is Chief Encouragement Officer at the Right Career Solution. And she's a certified career development practitioner, certified career management and executive leadership development coach. And for more than 15 years, uh, folks, Tanya, uh, uh, Daisy has been collaborating with executives, managers, and mid-career professionals to help them get hired faster. And she is the author of uh, two books, Tell Stories, Get Hired, and also her other book, No Canadian Experience, eh? Uh, excellent, uh, um, you know, uh, title there. I really love that title. And she has contributed to more than 10 others on resume writing, on career and interview coaching, as well as the job search. She's received several awards and recognition, including the Outstanding Canadian Career Leader twice and was nominated by her peers and received the 2018 Outstanding Interview Strategist Award from Career Professionals of Canada. Uh, she's a graduate of Ryerson University with a BA in Public Administration. Uh, folks, she has so many awards. And, and uh, she's also a certified career management coach, uh, a certified executive leadership coach. And she's also a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, which is an invitation-only community for leading business and career coaches, a member of the in International uh, of Coach Federation, Career Professionals of Canada, and CTL Associate with uh, Career Thought Leaders Consortium. Tanya, Daisy, thank you so much for your time. And it's such a pleasure to have you on uh, today's segment. Thank you for, thank having, you for us. having us. My pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, so I see a lot of comments, folks. So thanks everyone for tuning in and definitely put your questions in the comments, but I'm gonna get this conversation started right now uh, so that we can uh, you know, get, get this thing going and, and really start with this discussion. So uh, I guess, you know, uh, Daisy, Tanya, uh, you know, obviously given uh, this, this unfortunate tragedy with Mr. Floyd, and before we get into actually discussing the focus of uh, you know today's topic, which is you know discrimination in the workplace and career environment faced by by members of the black community, uh, I wanted to begin the discussion with the recent tragedy with Mr. Floyd. And the first thing I thought, like when when this occurred, of course, like I I, I was like you know, like it's it's one of those things where you're completely shocked. Like how can it be 2020 and and something like this happening? So why does it take an incident such as the one with Mr. Floyd for people to really start taking taking notice that, okay, something's definitely wrong here with the way things are and the way, of th way things have been? Uh, Tanya, can we start with you, please? Sure. Um, thanks, Dean. I, I think that crimes, especially against Blacks, are often just so trivialized and minimized by the media and by the public that um, really a significant portion of the population, when we hear that a Black man is killed, the reaction is, oh, he must have done something to deserve it, or he mm. must have done something. So we, you know, it's just something that's trivialized, um, you know, but this year, there were three disturbing back-to-back -back incidents. Ahmaud yeah. Arbery, the jogger, Christian Cooper, the bird watcher in Central Park, and, and George Floyd in Minnesota. And, and so they all involved black men. It was all caught on video. And because of COVID-19, the whole world was watching. Uh -huh. um, because we're all stuck at home. We're all stuck up home yeah, on yeah. our devices. So, you know, the whole world is watching and, and the world is becoming outraged. So even if people before have heard, because we all know that these crimes are not new um, and that these incidents are not new, but it's very different when you see it. And we yeah. saw a man for nine minutes counting it down, watching him take his last breath. So I think that would be my first comment. 
Okay, I mean, you know that watch. I couldn't even watch that video, honestly. Like, it's just I can't imagine what that gentleman like what was running through his mind. Like, you know. But uh, and, and Daisy, what are your what are your thoughts on this as well? I I love to hear about uh, you know what you can yes. share with the audience. Of course, just to piggyback on, on what Tanya said earlier, it's that you know we know that these things happen. They happen all the time, but because there was the video. And people literally watched for 8 minutes and 46 seconds this man's life being snuffed out. Mm. You know, something, there, there was an awakening to say, yes, this is proof that what they have been saying all these years, all these years, there is yes. some truth to it. And it really, really um, bought right into the fact that you know, people realize that, you know what, this man is a human being. Mm. And he just did not deserve to be treated like that. Mm -hmm. And then to see the callous way in which Derek Chauvin had his knee on the man's neck with his hand, Derek Chauvin's hand in his pocket. Yeah. You know, so we, we face this all the time. You know, we see this all the time. We hear this all the time. We think in terms of, of Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper. And because Amy knows that she only has to call the police, call 911, and she only has to say an African-American male, you know, then, you know, everything... You know, it's like, you know, you end up in this situation where, oh, my God, what's going to come next? So it's I'm so thankful for for cell phones and for videos, because now people are really, really realizing that all the cries we in our community have been hearing. It's true. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing, Dean, is, you know, in terms of how and why and and why now you know i believe it's because of systemic racism why the injustices that that really have been experienced for hundreds of years in the black community go unnoticed so mm -hmm. it is just so entrenched in in societal norms um that you know fear of those who don't look like talk like, think like, dress like, the majority of the population should be feared or overlooked. And then that passes down from generation to generation, yeah. the bias, and sometimes even aggression. And then, you know, it passes from the parents. And who's watching the parents? Well, the children. Yeah. And then, you know, it's based on you know, language and the tone that they use when they're around people that perhaps are different than them and the reactions that they have. And then, you know, as, as human beings, that's why then you sometimes wonder why you see it in the schoolyards with little children. Well, it's, it's a learned behavior. And so, you know, I think seeing, you know, seeing this happen is a wake up call. And, and, you know, for those who maybe were not really sure that this type of thing is really happening or not really sure that it's racism, now there's no question. Yeah. For the absolutely. rest of us, I think, the rest of us who are people of color, we, we've known it all along, but I yeah, think absolutely. that for our allies and for our supporters and for people who want to make the world a better place, they're now realizing that it's a wake-up call. This, this is true. This is truly happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and, the, and, media, I, and, and yeah. The, the media doesn't help. Um, the media doesn't help 
because what they tend to do is to focus on the negative pieces. Yeah. So they may focus on, you know, the 5% of people who are doing bad stuff and then mm. twist the minds of, 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 of other people. People are not thinking, well, what's happening to the other 95%? So mm -hmm. it is, like, like Tanya said, it is so entrenched in, oh, is a black person, oh, is a black man, oh, you yeah, know, she, yeah. he or she is not qualified because. And when that's not true, and let me just say something quickly. We, the, the, the conversation we're having now, as, as black people, we are, not, we are not asking people to pity us. We're asking people to empathize, to say, listen, let me put myself in the shoe of that person and yeah. see how it feels. And I will, I'm going to recommend a video. You must have heard about Jane Elliott, but I'm going to recommend a 53-minute video by Jane Elliott. It's a documentary. And Jane Elliott? should watch that. I'll send you the link. Everybody yeah, should sure, watch sure. that that documentary because it just tells you that racism is a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, when she started telling people that the the blue-eyed people were better and, and stuff like that, and then she switched it around and said the brown-eyed people, brown-eyed people were better, they were brighter, they were this. You know, you should see the angst in those children's faces. Mm. You know, so it's a if it's one resource I would ask your listeners to watch spend the 53 minutes and then you would see where racism starts right right yeah jane yeah so yeah if you can send me the link i'd, I'd definitely love to uh, you know check that out so i uh, definitely send. and and what i'll do is I'll, uh, I'll let me see if i can even put in the comments uh, so just give me some time to do that but uh, uh so you know and and what really inspired me to uh, you know get this discussion uh, you know into into play uh, daisy is uh, you, you wrote an amazing article, and and you referred to this metaphor in the article, uh, referring to the knee on the neck, which which uh, Mr. Floyd uh, unfortunately experienced, uh, and and how it relates to what members of the black community face on a regular basis, including at work, in their careers, let alone you know other areas in life, uh, you know obviously. Uh, so Daisy, can you briefly explain to the viewers, uh, you know, who might not have read the article, can you can you briefly explain that metaphor, and, and uh, if you can share your thoughts on that as well? Well. <laughs> You know what? When I when I saw what was what had happened, and then I said, you know, after all this is done, when the dust settles, you know, you we go back to business as usual. We go back to our workplaces. We go back to our community. And are we going to see the same outrage? Are we going to mm -hmm. see people in the workplace really looking at qualified black individuals? And giving them the opportunity that everybody else has. Yeah. You know, Tanya um, alluded to the fact that, you know, people are different. You go into, you're dressed a particular way. You know, people talk about your accent. Well, we all have an accent. Mm. You know, so that shouldn't be. You think in terms of, does will that have, will that make a difference in the person being able or unable to do the job? That's what should be should be should be the focus. So you have people who are well qualified, fit all fit the bill, and yet they are not they're being stimid. People who are within the organization, been there for years, and somehow they are not getting the opportunity to grow. 
you know, I think of a, of a colleague of mine who has a master in public administration. And she even signed up in one of these government um, organizations to to be, um, for, for them to have her, uh, you know, job shadow somebody yes. in, in a leadership role. And that did not happen. And yet the, the, the people who were getting those opportunities didn't have her qualification. So those are the things that I think about when I when I, I spoke about the, the knee on your neck, because that's how people feel. You mm-hmm. know, they can't breathe. They're in there. And, you know, somehow they start asking themselves, what's what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, so yeah. when nothing is wrong. So they're being stifled. They're being stimmed. And it's not, they're doing what they can. They're, they're earning the, the additional degrees or, or they're attending, you know, courses and all of that. They are doing their part. And now it's time for the organizations to do their part. And it's time for them to take their knees of the necks of, of their, you know, black employees. And, you know, instead of um, issuing performative statements, you know, be committed Mm-hmm. To, to what they say they will do. Absolutely. Because it's one thing if, it's you, if you're just paying, you know, lip service as an organization, right? You, like you can have a whole bunch of policies, but are you actually doing something with it? Exactly. Right? Like, is, 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 are you actually doing something or not? Uh, Tanya, is there anything you wanted to add regarding the, the, the metaphor that, uh, you know, uh, in re- reference to that article? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, Daisy, it's, it's just so true, you know, that, that sort of corporate knee on the neck, you know, is, is, is what so many people of color experience. And, you know, I would venture to say, I, I, I don't know any person of color who's not at some point in their career experienced this. And yet I can tell you, I've gone into countless organizations that claim that they're amazing in diversity and inclusion and they don't have a problem. So there's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I, I would say, you know, a lot of the things that I was thinking about on this topic, um, it's the microaggressions, right? And so people confuse intent and feel that, well, no, I'm not racist, um, but, mm-hmm. but you can still have bias, unconscious bias, and, and, and you know, make inappropriate comments and not be racist. Everybody doesn't want to be called a racist, but, you know, we still make mistakes. We still have unconscious bias. The microaggressions in the workplace um, really create a lot of problems for people of color. And, you know, when I'm talking about microaggressions, I'm thinking about those subtle um, behaviors. You know, it's like death by a thousand cuts that, mm. that you know, usually a person of color has to make a decision. Do I ignore it mm-hmm. or do I speak up and risk job loss? Because yeah. it is mm-hmm. a risk. And I can tell you nine times out of 10, you're reluctant to speak up yeah. because you either yeah. won't be believed or you will find yourself out the door. <laughs> so, so what happens yeah. is a lot of people of color sort of suffer in silence and then you know, think about the effects that that has. And there's studies that show that that it affects that that level of stress on a daily basis affects mental health, it affects physical health. And and that's just sort of an experience. And some people it might be um, from a particular colleague, 
It might be that they keep getting passed over for promotions or that nobody is is even helping guide their career. Um, and and so these are things. And, and with the microaggressions in particular, I'm thinking about things that I know myself when I have employees as an HR professional, when I have employees come and talk to me, it's, it's things like this, you know, um, comments like, uh, oh, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. I don't see mm. color without realizing that by not seeing them, you don't see your colleagues because they are exactly, yeah. unique beings. They want to be recognized, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, saying, but where are you really from? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Um, or, oh, I couldn't even tell that you were gay, you know, yeah. or, or, oh, you're so articulate. Yep. Is yep. that your real hair? Mm-hmm. You know, um, oh, I think you're in the wrong room. And I cannot tell you the number of times in my career, even just last year when I've been told I'm in the wrong room. This wow. is this is a meeting for executives. I think you're in the wrong room. I cannot tell you the amount of times I've gone to conferences and they either thought I was, I don't know, the help, I'm not sure. But, and this yeah. is in Canada, this is not a US thing. So, you know, think about that happening as part of your regular life. It's a death by a thousand cuts. And in the workplace, um, unless you've got really good human resources systems, programs, policies, and people that will champion the cause and and seek to uh, right injustices, a lot of people just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And, and you brought up, I mean, this this microaggression thing, it, it, it can seem so subtle, but just like you said, it's like death by a thousand cuts. Like it's so subtle that you might not even, you can even easily miss it, right? Like you don't even yeah. pay attention to it maybe. And yeah. then you mentioned something else, Tanya, which was, you know what? A lot of people of color, they're just too afraid to even speak about it because they're like, I don't want to lose my job. Like, you know, or maybe I should just put up with this for a bit. And, yeah. you know, eventually yeah. they're going to notice me. They're going to appreciate me. And Daisy, in your article, you actually gave an example, if I remember correctly, of, of I believe, a, a South Asian colleague of yours yeah. uh, who, who decided to just keep quiet because of she, she was overlooked for some position because she didn't want to yes. stir the stir the pot or whatever. Yeah, we had both. We had both applied for this particular position. Uh-huh. And um, none of us were were selected. I thought I did a, a very good interview. And mm-hmm. it was an area that I was quite familiar with because I used to be in public relations um, when I was in Jamaica. So it right. was a, an area I was, you know, and um, when I heard who got the job, it was a white lady who had just come into the organization on a temporary basis for three months. And she wow. came in as an admin. And so when I looked at that, I had to ask questions. And the other lady, you know, mentioned to me and she said the same thing. So I said, you know what? I am, you know, what are you going to do about it? And she said, you know, I don't want to, you know, ruffle the feathers. So I said, mm. well, I'm going to ruffle some feathers because I have to, yeah. I mean, if you are the best qualified person for this role, I don't care what color you are. But don't don't give somebody a position that wants. She didn't have any experience in public relations. She yeah. didn't have the qualifications that I had, right? And when I asked human resources, you know, they were kind of going around and coming around, you know. So I just I just had to hit the nail on the. I had to just grab the bull by the horn, and I said, if I'm gonna, if I I'll speak up, and if it benefits other people fine and you know if it and if it doesn't then you know it's just one of those things so yes we we have to be we have to 
one advocate on our own behalf and i know it's not easy because when you need when you need to put food on the table you can't just go in and you know blatantly say what's on your mind yeah. but the onus is on the organization to one take these things seriously but you know put policies and procedures in place to rectify these kind of of of, of behaviors to rectify these kind of situations so employees don't feel afraid to come forward with some of these and the other thing too is sometimes you say back to microaggression that Tanya was talking about sometimes you people may unintentionally say these things you know and they they, they honestly might not know it's offensive mm-hmm. and so what i have found is that i have had to take the time to educate them like i remember years ago one lady said to me oh you don't speak like a jamaican and i said how does a jamaican speak yeah <laughs> i said english is our first language yes we do have a dialect but english is our first language and you know she was i i said it in a way that was more educative as opposed to oh how dare you say that mm-hmm. and she responded quite well you know so those are the things and people should not feel that oh you know we are being insensitive you know mm. but it's like saying oh we did, oh a black woman i didn't know you could speak English. you know that kind of thing yeah yeah mm. yeah absolutely uh, so so speak you know continuing from this topic uh, daisy and, and tanya so how do black professionals and workers really navigate you know this kind of discrimination in the workplace and and you know being overlooked for promotions opportunities and and all that stuff like what are your suggestions to the viewers on that I think that um you know you you usually can find someone to to be an ally or to be an advocate or to be a supporter um hopefully that's within your workplace but if that doesn't exist then look without your w- workplace for for an ally for a supporter for an advocate um and i think lean on people people really do want to help and can help um but i think not to feel and not to go it on your own um mm-hmm. i think within the workplace i do think that um engaging when there's committees you know um you, you know how workplaces we we love to have committees so yeah. you know what put yourself on some of those committees you know because that's an opportunity to have a voice mm-hmm. um that's an opportunity to sort of be part of that change um and and i do think that um connect with your human resources department um i do think that even sometimes sadly sometimes the human resources department needs to do some work um but but definitely i think that you know to to just suffer in silence on end is is probably not going to be healthy um and and probably won't help um some individuals leave right some individuals yeah. say you know what i I'm out. I I'm going to go somewhere else that that respects me. So, but I do think take a partner um and I I know for myself I was fortunate that I did have um in my current workplace and in my former workplaces I've always had really really good bosses and that's made a huge difference. Um people that believed in me and supported me in my crazy ideas and and um you know different things that I that I came up with because I they know that my heart was in the right place and that I want to do good things for for the for for the employees and for the workplace but if you don't have that look within your 
work your network look on linkedin mm-hmm. there's there's amazing talented people on linkedin reach out and 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 i think sometimes you have to create your own almost your own board of directors mm-hmm. to, to help you yeah. i love that i love that board of directors i love that yeah, yeah absolutely ab- absolutely i totally agree with with tanya on that create your own board of directors and use people who a variety of people from different backgrounds different levels and use people who who will tell you like it is who are not going to sugarcoat things because they want you to feel comfortable and there you know ask for opportunities to job shadow people in in your um in the workplace you know see who might want to be a sponsor or a mentor for you and as Tanya said it doesn't have to be in your same organization make sure you're making yourself visible volunteer for opportunities you know talk to people who are doing the job that you would want to do and you know by, by doing that you will be you know you would be putting yourself up there to say here i am you know ask people questions what else do i need what are the skills do i need to learn in order to become the person i want to to become but also the organization so those are things that the the individuals can do but the organization need to need to create or to empower this you know an inclusive workplace yeah and yeah. don't just say that and put it on your wall but live it you know the 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 senior leadership should be leading by example they should be championing the cause so that it filters down to everybody and everybody feels that they they belong everybody feels valued you know it doesn't make sense your the organization is talking about oh you know we are for diversity and equity and inclusion yeah yeah yet you look you see the people there but you see them at the table but are they making meaningful contribution and that's where people start feeling that they're valued and they feel that they belong and you know things are not going to happen overnight you know but yeah. people just want to see that you're authentic you're genuine you're making a genuine attempt to live what you're preaching to be inclusive and mistakes are going to happen i'm open to that mistakes are going to happen and we wouldn't hold anybody um you know hold it up against anyone but we just want to make sure that you're trying and you're authentic about it love that love that daisy and and i see we have a comment here needy kanna says so honored to be able to work with you tanya i guess that's one of your uh, your colleagues uh, tanya <laughs> okay, yes, awesome. yes yes thank you thank you nithi i see you i see you awesome sounds good so yeah folks i'm not ignoring your questions and your comments Diane, we're going to get around you. to that shortly Yeah, we're going to get around to the comments shortly folks. But uh, um uh, Daisy, I mean I think you mentioned a great point about the organizations. And I guess moving on to my next question, like I have personally had it up to here with organizations creating these fancy marketing videos and then policies and all this stuff about how yeah, we're diverse, we do this, we do that, we everyone nobody feels left out. Uh I'm very skeptical of these things. Whenever I see these things cuz it's real easy to put together some fancy video, but it's a totally different thing to actually, you know, actually you know see it around you right so if we can talk uh, tanya and daisy uh, more about what can organizations actually do to contribute to this like from a practical actionable standpoint yeah so i i think 
one of the big things that I, I, I now we're starting to have some discussions in, in my organization around this is I think that we have to, first of all, get better at um, looking within and, and how are we mentoring and creating pathways within the organization. So one of the things that we're uh, talking about, my colleague um, who's actually on this call, we um, she came up with an idea that, you know, maybe, maybe we need to have a woman's leadership um, a woman's leadership um, sort of consortium in the, in the workplace and and create some mentoring opportunities and and you know having these these groups that sort of self-run and and that's empowering but actually being able to do that um, knowing that the in the workplace supports that um, that's just one thing um, I think mentoring programs and and requiring your leadership, to everyone bring one in terms of mentorship and to specifically how diverse is your team? Look at your team. Does everybody on your team look like you or do you have diversity on your team? And, and, and is it, or is it just rubber stamping one token person? So I think you have to look within yourself, look at your leadership team. So when you're looking at your leadership team, is there diversity and is it well represented on your, your leadership team? Because, mm -hmm. For employees, if, if the leadership team is not diverse, it, it's, it sends a message. It, it, it does yeah. make people feel that, you know, how likely are my concerns to be represented or heard or understood or even incorporated into the organization's decision making? Mm -hmm. um, so those are some, some initial things. And I agree with you that, you know, rubber stamping, putting out statements without action, but acknowledge that you know, you may, you might just be early in this process, mm -hmm. but let, let people know what you're working on. Right. And, and include them. And, and, and I think people tend to be very forgiving if you don't get it right the first time, Absolutely. if they were involved and if you kept them um, informed along the way and they were part of it because nobody expects perfection. They just expect action. Yeah, Absolutely. And one of the things I, I wanted to, to touch on is even when it comes to the, the interview process, you know, you imagine if, um, you know, you close your eyes and you go into an interview and, you know, everybody in the interview looks the same. Mm. You know, so a, a, a black person, so if the, if the interview panel is all white, for example, and a black person or a person of color goes in, you know, flip that around yeah, and yeah. say if the, if the entire panel is all black or, you know, people of color and you as a white person goes into that interview, you know, how, are you, how does that make you feel? Yeah, yeah. You know, so that it, it starts there as well. Diversify your interview panel so that, you know, you're getting different perspectives when in terms of assessing uh, that particular um, that particular candidate or those candidates. You know, if everybody's going to think the same way, then, you know, we're going to end up, be, you know, being in the same place. And I, I, that's so true, Daisy. And I think the other thing, too, is um, what candidates are being brought forward. So as a hiring manager, if you're, let's say you've narrowed it down to six candidates, 
if all those six candidates all look the same way and there's no diversity, then you need to add more candidates to your panel and go back to the drawing board. And mm -hmm. the thing that I hate to hear is that, well, we just don't have diverse applicants. People are yeah. not coming to apply for our jobs. Well, then you're doing something wrong. Because mm -hmm. I can tell you, there's a lot of individuals who are looking for work who are people of color mm -hmm. and they can't get into your organization because of your systemic barriers, because of your screening systems, because of things, because maybe sometimes you're only hiring friends and family. So, you know, to be honest, if you are not getting diverse candidates, it's on you. So yeah. there's... Yeah. A, a plethora of cultural organizations that love to receive job postings to send to their members. Mm -hmm. um, there's 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 religious organizations. There's so many ways to get a job posting out there mm -hmm. and somebody knows somebody. So there is no reason for you to be having candidates that all look the same way. It is not the applicant's fault. It is something that is wrong in your process and so I think that's another thing that sometimes I hear is well we're just not getting the applicants well then yeah. you're doing something wrong so you got to go back and do it mm -hmm. differently yeah find out where these people are and like you and like go you to say, them you know there's yeah. you know there are ethnic media that you can use the same way you can use the other the other mainstream you know media uh, there are organizations, uh, you know, nonprofit organizations. There are professional associations that you can tap into for highly qualified people, you know, to, to, to widen your pool of candidates. Absolutely. I mean, I would, absolutely. I would yeah, especially proud. Exactly. There's a lot of work that organizations can and should be doing to, to you know, to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know what? At the end, I mean, we're in Toronto. Like, come on, there's no excuse, right? Exactly. We we are like a, a multicultural city. It's not like we're we're in the middle of nowhere, like in the countryside or something, right? Uh, but uh, and and what I've got from both of you so far is, look, our organizations need to take full responsibility for the diversity aspect and and removing these barriers and the discrimination. And the other thing I got, which I really liked, was get people involved because look especially at a larger company when you have some invisible team working on all these policies and, and these yeah. marketing uh you know presentations and stuff i mean it's real easy to feel disconnected from all that so i love that suggestion for organizations to get people involved at, at the ground level up like uh, in these conversations and these policies and all that so i love that now moving moving on uh, daisy and tanya now both of you are, are obviously extremely successful in your careers and, and you've done really well with yourself and you've provided a lot of great advice to the viewers in terms of how you, you know, um, how to navigate these situations and all that. But can you provide any, like anything else you can add to the viewers? Maybe, you know, someone out there, maybe it's uh, someone from the black community, maybe it's a person of color who's experiencing these barriers. They keep hitting the wall. They keep, keep hitting the glass ceiling. How did both of you get to where you, you got to in your careers and what advice and, and in, any words of inspiration you have for those viewers in that situation right now? So for me, um, in terms of advice, um, I would say utilize and leverage your network. I mean, um, I, I, chances are you do know people and, and, you know, I think that utilizing your network is so important. Get to know people. That's one, that's one piece. Know your value. Keep trying. Um, there's really good people out there and, there are good companies who want diversity, but you know, I, I think that 
you know, work your network. Um, mm. Ask them, can would you would you mind, you know, forwarding that resume to to your HR department or to the hiring manager? It's not a promise. The person can't promise you'll get the job, but maybe just saying, hey pass this along. Most people are very willing to pass resumes along when they know that there's no, you know, no, nothing attached to it that, you know, hey, all I can do is pass it along. Um, but if you actually have somebody that you're mentoring, so I, I would I would say if you have somebody that you're mentoring or if you have a mentor, see if they can introduce you to people. That also helps as well too, to sort of help expand um, the, the the people that you know. Um, so that would be one, one piece of advice. Um, in terms of, for me, how I got to where I am, um, you know, it was a lot of, I think, a lot of hard work. I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I, I sacrificed a lot of my work-life balance and I don't want the next generation to have to take that route because I, I don't think it was the healthiest approach that I took. Um, one thing that helped me though, and I will say this over and over again, I did have a couple people that really believed in me and, and they were my allies. And one of them was a white lady who, who just always supported me, always took me to networking events. She was amazing. We would, we would, she just, she just believed in me. And so I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be, I mean, I would have loved in my career to have a, a, another black woman mentor me, but I didn't, I didn't have that. So I took what was in front of me and, and that person believed in me. So if there's someone who believes in you, that's still going to get you the help that you need. And so I think find who who's who is your ally, who can help you advocate. And and I think that's having that supporter throughout your career is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And it may change. It doesn't have to be one person. And yeah, that's right. why I'm saying the board of director process where you have yeah. your own personal board of directors. Mm hmm. Love that. Love yes, that. and diversify your network as well. You know, don't you can't have everybody in your own network looking like you are, you mm. know, either. Yeah. So do that. And, you know, there are great people out there. They are great people out there. You can find them. I have found them, right? One of the things that has helped me um, is that, one, I'm very confident about who I am. And what I and my value, yeah. So that that helps me a whole lot, right? And I'll speak up and I'll tell people that that I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I will I will speak up. And everybody, I don't say everybody has to be like me, but you have to value yourself, and then you have yeah. to advocate on your own behalf, you know, and seek out people who are really really interested in your own in your growth and development because they are they're out there and um one of the things i would say in terms of you know you know how people can be be allies so people may be looking out maybe out there and saying to themselves you know how can i be an ally too you know yeah. if you know you have some degree of of power you know when you when you're in places especially in in places where you're meeting with senior leadership, you know, talk to to people, talk to these people about, you know, other people on your in your group or in your team. Mm -hmm. You know, such and such, you know what Tanya would be great for this assignment. You know, yeah. recommend them for stretch assignments. 
and you know endorse them publicly so they can feel that they are valued you know they feel that yes i am here and my organization really value values me and the contributions that 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 i'm making so it's 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 not easy but it's uh, you know you just have to go you cannot give up put it that way you cannot mm. give up if you set your goal i usually tell people i have a goal and if it means going through going sideways going over going under i'm getting there and i'm going to arm myself with the resources and resources in terms of the people that i need to help me and move forward and you know it works both ways because in i mean i have done the same thing for others as well and it doesn't matter yeah. who you are it doesn't matter what color you are if you are genuinely interested in in moving forward and i'm able to help i'll be there amazing love that fantastic advice from both of you thank you so much uh, folks i hope all of you are taking notes or watching because you know th this is so, such great information that both both of uh, uh, daisy and tanya are sharing with everyone uh now this was kind of mentioned before uh, daisy and tanya now how can how can we ensure these types of conversations continue and they don't subside after the attention on this tragic event has passed? You know what? I'm 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 very cynical about these things. I'm always like, yeah, people are so excited and stuff like that. And you know what? In a few weeks, it's all just going to die down. So how do we how do we ensure uh, attention is still kept on this and that we continue these conversations? I think a lot rests on leadership. I think, and um, you know, if you you know, I think that a lot of organizations are going to have to change systems and not just have sort of fly-by-night programs. Um, I think that a good way to keep a conversation going, um, put it as a standing agenda item, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so how are we doing in this area? So if there's a, for example, if there's a senior management team meeting, maybe you have to put it on an agenda. Um, and maybe it comes up every quarter or whatever, whatever the timing that's reasonable. Maybe that's how uh, uh, one way to keep it, you know, a, a check, uh, keep it in check and, and have a process of coming, continuing to come up with new ideas and continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, for sure. It, it definitely depends on, on, on the leadership. Uh, as I said before, it has to come from the top. But you know what? There are little things that regular employees can do. And it's, it's just to treat the next person as, as you would treat yourself. It's mm -hmm. pretty, you know, what is good for me should be good for the other person, you know. Start, you know, by, by having small conversations around, you know, how is it, how, how are you feeling today? How is it going? You know, how can yeah. I help? Don't, just simple things. So people see that you, you care and you're genuine about it. But in terms of the organization itself, it needs to examine its structure to see where there are bottlenecks, to see, you know, what issues come up often from your black employees or, you, you know, your other people of color. And how can we work toward breaking down or dismantling these kind of systems so everybody can thrive? Because when one person thrives, everybody does. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I said, it's great to have these performative statements out there. Oh, we support you, this and that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when all these things subside, you know, you end up at the same place. You know, we want to, to, to um, hold organizations accountable. 
to what they say they will do. And as Tanya said, you know, put it on the agenda every now and again. Yeah. You know, and have some type of a measurement so you can measure how this, you know, how it's how it's working. Love that. And, and I completely agree with that. And I think those are some great suggestions to make sure, you know, these con uh, these conversations continue. Uh, now, now uh, uh, Daisy and Tanya, what resources do you recommend and which are available to the black community uh, for the for the viewers tuning in from the black community for further assistance, guidance, support, uh, any resources you can share? There's there's many out there. Um, I mean, there's there's resources in all different sort of fields of, of support, but um, I'll just list out a few that, that come to mind. Um, first of all, if it's from an organizational perspective, um, there's amazing diversity and inclusion consultants out there. Um, I know Amanda Fernandez is doing some amazing work. Carlin Purcell, she's doing some amazing work and there's just many, many out there. But, um, you know, healthcare centers, there's um, Taiboo Community Healthcare Center in Malvern. They, they provide a, a, a huge amount of support for the community. Um, Black Health Alliance, Black Lives Matter, um, Cana Canadian Center for Diversity and Inclusion, Black Business Professionals Association, mm -hmm. Skills mm -hmm. for Change. Uh, Skills for Change specifically um, targets job seekers, um, government funded, not for profits. So um, there's just so many. There's so many. Yeah. You know, just to, I agree with you, Tanya, and some of those I actually had, had on my list as well. The Black Business and Professional Association, um, that's a great organization to tap into. They have and Black the, Professionals Tech Network is another good one. Exactly. Yes, that one is, is, is great. And they have the Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they, are, they are doing some amazing stuff. The Jamaica Canadian Association, they are huge. And they're, you know, doing um, amazing, amazing stuff as well. So there are resources out there. It's, um, it's, it's just for, you know, for people to, to, uh, to look um, for them. I was listening to the a, a, a podcast by, even though this is not Canadian, but mm. I guess Canadian CEO could benefit from that. And it's, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a podcast by the CEO of Fortune, Alan Murray. Mm. And he actually just um, interviewed someone on, well, some people, on how to speak to your employees about racism. And one of the right. persons he had on the was Chuck Robbins, who is CEO of Cisco. And you know, he said his aim is really to empower, you know, everybody, you know, to have an inclusive society for all. So even though it's not that particular podcast is not Canadian, but mm -hmm. you know, Canadian CEOs could benefit from from you know listening. Uh, it's called Leadership Next. Leadership Next. Yeah. Leadership Amazing. Next. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, folks, make sure you check that out. I mean, it sounds like a great podcast and and, and definitely very relevant to uh, the discussion. Uh, so, And what I'm getting from both of you, uh, you know, so far is basically like don't be an island. Well, you know that saying? What's the saying? Uh, don't be an island onto, onto yourself or like no you can't go at island. this alone. No yeah, no, nobody's an island. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, so you know, don't try to go at it alone. Build relationships, build a network. And I love the board of directors idea. I love that. 
so without, I mean, um, uh, you know, at this point, I'd definitely like to switch over to some Q&A. So, folks, if you have any questions, we have uh, around three, four minutes for some Q&A. Uh, so I'm just going to put up the questions that I, I've been selecting here on the main screen. Uh, so th this is for uh, uh, both Daisy and Tanya. I'm just trying to get this to come here. Uh, let me see there. Yeah. So uh, Mona Ali asks, uh, um, Daisy and Tanya, what is your opinion of blind recruitment hiring? Is this a viable solution to remove bias and discrimination in the hiring process? Thank you for your time. Uh, I guess she's uh, talking about blind recruitment in the sense of removing mm -hmm. the name or removing, you know, that stuff. Mm -hmm. So what are both of your thoughts on that? What, what, what do you feel about this, uh, this, this, I guess, practice? Uh, does it help or... I have mixed feelings on it. Um, so I'll tell you. So I would say that if you have an organization where you you probably have not been finding that you're 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 getting the applicants and whatnot, I think that it makes sense to give it a try because we know that people see names and then they mm -hmm. discount those names. So I do right. like the idea. I would say though measure that program after a year mm -hmm. because if it is not with that if it's still not pulling out what you need then then there's something else that needs to happen so mm -hmm. i think it's a good first step and i think it's worth a try um but i think make sure that it's at the end it's actually doing what you what it was intended to accomplish mm -hmm. so in other words are you finding that since you've introduced this blind recruitment process that you now have hired more diverse people in your organization or is it the same so yeah. that that's what i would say i mm -hmm. mean for me i i find i sometimes have to insert resumes that are from qualified individuals who may be diverse because they're not be they're not they're not i don't see a panel that's diverse so sometimes I can't be blind um, I, because I need to intentionally have some equity and equity means sometimes mm -hmm. you have to assist and, and place candidates in front there to, to be looked at. So That's I right, have right. mixed feelings on it. I think that it's mm -hmm. definitely something that organizations should try, but make sure it is producing the results it's intended to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Same here. I have mixed feelings about it as well, because to me, it's kind of taking the responsibility off. It's kind of taking the focus away from, listen, regardless of who you are, how, whatever name you have, you know, we're going to look at this resume for what it is. But yeah. in the absence of that, you know, objectivity, then, you know, yes, use it, but measure it after a while to see how it has worked or and if it's not working then you know you have to come up with something something else i know at some organizations some companies in the uk i don't know if that's where it started but i know they had started uh doing something like like that so yes you can try it and see how it works but you know i wouldn't i would prefer if people just decide to say listen treat this with you know some objectivity just look at the resume. Is will the person be able to do what he or she says they they'll do? And you know, you know, make a decision on that. But you know, in the absence of objectivity, then you know you might want to try that. Uh, absolutely, and, and you know what? It, it doesn't really solve the underlying issue, right? At the end of the day, and because that's my point. Yeah, that's like point. let's say let's say the resume gets through, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to go in and meet someone if they have their own biases and you know all of that stuff. It's not really gonna make a difference. And that's, so, and that's where the diverse interview panel comes in. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, so that's all the time we have, folks. Uh, so uh, And uh, Daisy, Tanya, I just want to say thank you so much again. I really appreciate so much valuable information both of you shared. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the viewers got a lot of great information out of it. Uh, and uh, actually, just do you, do you guys mind one more question? I just had a great question come up here. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just put that on the screen here. All right. So someone asked, what should black young professionals do to tie in our diverse experiences into the workplace and hold uh, employers accountable? I guess we have kind of covered this, but anything you both want to add to that? I think um, if I, as a young black professional, if you're in an organization right now and you want to figure out how to hold your employer accountable, I think ask questions, right? Ask questions, um, make suggestions. I think maybe put up your hand and say, hey, uh, would our organization be able to start an employee resource group? Um, I know our employees have been um, um, asking about that and that's something that we're gonna explore in my organization. So an employee resource group, for example, uh, you know, um, allowing people on work time to meet um, on occasion to work on issues specific to their group. So you might have an LGBTQ um, working group. Uh, you may have a, a Black uh, or a POC uh, working group. And, and the organization can sponsor that, fund that, and, and that's maybe you put up your hand and say, can we have this at my organization? I'd like yeah. to start it out or be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Love that, love that. See how receptive the see how receptive the employer is to that. Love that. Amazing. So so thanks so much, uh, Daisy and Tanya. Uh, so, uh, uh, folks, but you know, let us know in the comments. You, I'm, I'm sure everyone got a lot out of this. And again, Daisy, Tanya, thank you so much for your time. Uh, before we wrap this up, folks, I did want to share a very quick excerpt uh, about uh, Mr. Floyd that I read in a, in a New York Times article, which really touched me. And I just wanted to share that with everyone before I end this off. Uh, so I'm just going to read it off. And uh, it's from this uh, article from New York Times. So it's, it goes like this. It was the last day of 11th grade at Jack Yates High School in Houston nearly three decades ago. A group of close friends on their way home were contemplating what senior year and beyond would bring. They were black teenagers on the precipice of manhood. What, they asked one another, did they want to do with their lives? George turned to me and said, I want to touch the world, said Jonathan Veal, 45, recalling the aspiration of one of the young men, a tall, gregarious star athlete named George Floyd, whom he had met in the school cafeteria on the first day of sixth grade. To their 17-year-old minds, touching the world maybe meant the NBA or the NFL. Uh, it was one of the first moments I remembered after learning what happened to him, Mr. Veal said. He could not have imagined that this is the tragic way people would know his name. Mm -hmm. so, so folks, like, uh, you know, it's, it's extremely unfortunate what happened to Mr. Floyd. But on the, on, you know, on thinking about the positive side, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, this tragic incident uh, has each of us thinking about how what we can do to you know change things and really put some efforts into changing these things and continuing these conversations and and uh, you know ensuring that this man's legacy uh, lives on in a positive light and and that it brought about real change. So yeah. thank you so much, everyone, for tuning. Yeah, Daisy, you wanted to say no, something. No, I was just gonna say, you know, it has, you know, his death as as tragic as it has been, it has it seemed to have touched the conscience of you know, every human being or, you know, the majority of human being. And I'm hoping that out of this will come something good. Absolutely. hundred percent. So uh, Daisy, Tanya, again, thank you so much for your time. And, and thank you so much for spending time with us, uh, folks. Thanks. Thanks everyone for everyone tuning in. And uh, look, uh, I want everyone after leaving from this, you know, think and contemplate, take action, build those relationships and uh, 
let's not separate ourselves from each other. I think that's very important. The more we separate ourselves from each other and segregate each from ourselves from each other, the less we understand about understand each other and our unique experiences in life. So thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. And I'm going to end it off right here. Thanks so much. Everyone okay. have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.